0: The reading today is Psalm 27. If you want to have a, a read at the same time as I do, page 557 in your Bible. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, They will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble... He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple." If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Just imagine for a moment, if you will, that as the next general election draws near, imagine if one of the politicians were to stand up and say something like this, vote for me and be prepared to lose your family. Vote for me and be prepared to lose your house. Vote for me and be prepared to lose your job vote your possessions, vote for me and even be prepared to lose your life. That would certainly make the headlines, wouldn't it? But it probably wouldn't do much for the popularity of the politician. And yet, isn't that exactly what Jesus has just said in this passage? It's breathtaking. He turns to the crowd. In our gospel reading, verse 25, it says large crowds. And first of all, He says in verse 26, this extraordinary statement. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. Jesus uses the word hate, I'm sure, to elicit a reaction from the crowd because it's so shocking. And of course, he doesn't really mean that we're to hate our families. He's exaggerating to make a point. From the person who taught breathtaking love in the Sermon on the Mount, the one who said that we should even love our enemies, of course he doesn't mean that we should really hate our families. His point though is, surely, that discipleship means giving Jesus' first call on our lives. But no sooner has he said this than in verse 27 he launches into an even more shocking description of what it would mean to follow him. He says, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. In our culture today, carrying one's cross is, of course, still used as a figure of speech. But it doesn't come close to the meaning and the kind of connotations it would have had in Jesus' day. Because in in Jesus' day, carrying your cross meant certain death by crucifixion, which was the most unimaginable horror and the deepest shame. Crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of the lowest of the low of the criminals of his day. Jesus then goes on in the Gospel passage to contemplate two people setting out on different courses of action without necessarily counting the cost. The builder in verse 28 will look ridiculous if he doesn't have the resources to finish the job. And the king going to war without enough troops may have to compromise or surrender if he hasn't worked out the cost of victory. And these different metaphors, if you like, for what it means to follow Jesus is surely a warning to anyone who wants to be his follower that the cost of following Jesus might be higher than we think. One of the things I always say to seekers, if you like, people who come on the Alpha course who who are perhaps not churchgoers, Um, And don't have much church background. I always say to them this. I always say, if what you want is an easy life, please, please, whatever you do, don't become a Christian. Because I think in today's society, being a Christian is probably harder than not being a Christian. But Jesus didn't come to make life easy. He came to make people great. Jesus once said, I have come that you might have life, and life to the full. But the message of the Gospel reading this morning is that it does carry a significant cost. But what does that mean for us today in 21st century reading? Well, there are some Christians in this country who feel persecuted or discriminated against because of their faith. There are a few. We've heard about some Christian adoption agencies that were closed down because they wouldn't place children with gay couples, for example. Some people were suspended or reprimanded or sacked for wearing crosses in the workplace, Um, although it seems to go backwards and forwards with the courts as to how that works out. But generally speaking, not many Christians in our country and in our society face significant suffering for their faith so what is this cost? What does it mean to us today? Is it going to church on a Sunday? Well, surely not. Surely coming together to worship God and to pray together is a privilege, not a cost. What about giving up an afternoon or an evening from time to time to go to a small group? Um, is that the cost? Well, that surely can't be either. It must be a joy to meet with friends and share something of our lives together, pray for one another. That could only be a privilege. So, is the cost of discipleship the time and possibly the money or resources I have that I give towards the church in terms of its mission and ministry? Is it the time that I spend being part of the singing group or serving on the coffee shop lunch stop or helping on the alpha course or doing the flowers or helping with kids church or youth or creche or whatever it is? And is the cost of discipleship that money I stick in the collection bag or the standing order that goes out of my bank account every month to help pay for all of these different things. I mean, after all, I really could do with that money. So is that the cost of discipleship? Well, perhaps, to some degree, it is. Those things can cost us a significant amount of our personal time. And there are many wonderful people here at St. Matthew's who give up huge amounts of time to help with the many church activities and ministries. And of course using our gifts to serve God in that way is exactly what the church, which is known as the body of Christ, is meant to do. That's how it's meant to work. Each one plays our part. And of course giving money does mean that I have to give up some things that otherwise I might have been able to do or have or spend. But important though those things are, I don't think those are the kinds of things that Jesus was talking about when he referred to the cost of discipleship as carrying our cross or giving up everything that we have. This is one of those times when the answer isn't written in black and white for us. Um, But I'm convinced that the most significant cost of discipleship that Jesus called his followers to was to be a Christian witness in an unbelieving world. I think it always has been and I think it always will be. Firstly, it cost Jesus his life. His witness to a God of love who was more interested in seeking out and pouring out his love on the, the disenfranchised of society, on the sick, the sinners, the poor, the prisoners, the lame, the demon-possessed, rather than the religious lawkeepers who looked down on them. Well, that cost him his life. Secondly, throughout the New Testament, the number one theme in the Gospels in the book of Acts and all of Paul's and uh, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, all of their letters written to the churches, is that the role of a disciple was chiefly to be a witness to the risen Jesus. And all 11 remaining apostles, after Judas had um, betrayed Jesus, all remaining 11 apostles were martyred for their faith, many literally having to carry their crosses to their own crucifixions. Jesus' call to costly discipleship was utterly realistic about what they could expect. So I think the real cost of discipleship is about being a witness to the Lord Jesus in the world that we live in. And that witness is something that Jesus and the apostles asked of all the Christians. And I think that there are a whole host of reasons why we find it difficult. And we maybe try and avoid it. And some of those are, well, perhaps we're afraid if we share our faith with others of no faith that we might be afraid of their reactions. Perhaps we've tried in the past and we've been rejected. Or maybe we've convinced ourselves that the people we might talk to about our Christian faith, well, they'd never be interested anyway, so it's a waste of time. Or maybe we're afraid that it would damage our relationship with people, perhaps who are family members or friends. Perhaps we don't pray for opportunities to witness and to share our faith. Well, the good news is, though, that we can put all of our fears and failures and missed opportunities, if you like, behind us because we don't have to be gifted evangelists or preachers or, or extrovert sort of witnesses. All we have to do is to be able to offer a simple invitation to others to come and try out, to share in our own enthusiasm. And there's, I think there's so much to be enthusiastic about. As we've seen this morning, just this last week, um, we've seen children, um, teenagers and adults, lives impacted by the witness of the holiday club. And there are some amazing prayers along uh, that, that um um, that flag, all those flags there on the wall over there, are prayers that the children wrote. There's one, one wrote a prayer that goes something like this. Thank you, God, for the holiday club week. I will always believe in you. On the last day when the children were asked if they wanted to be a friend of Jesus, I reckoned that about 80 hands went up out of the 95 that were there. It was also wonderful To see more than half a dozen teenagers growing in their gifts as they served on the team that were running the holiday club in so many different ways. One of the new adult team members said of their experience, I really feel like this is my home. It's to be in the best week I can ever remember. Another said they had tears in their eyes on more than one occasion because it was so moving to see the children responding to the message of God's love for them and i love one of the messages written on the kids church board in the hall by one of the children which says st matthew's is the best church in reading <laughs> i agree <laughs> <laughs> so we're called we're called to be witnesses and we, and we can all be those witnesses by simply inviting others who we know to come and try out church try out kids church try out the coffee shop and lunch stop try out the informal evening service try out a midweek fellowship group whatever it is there are there are so many things try out the alpha course there are so many things that we different ways that we can invite others to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ um, I'm going to embarrass Nina Chandler now by saying that uh, she was, on our, she was not, well, not on the team this holiday club, she was on the team in the October holiday club. She wanted to be on the team in this holiday club, but um, she wasn't able to get the time off to do it. She really wanted to, because she loved it so much. But she invited four children, and they all came, and they were here all five days of the week. Isn't that wonderful? And they all heard about God's love for them. And uh, I think it's just Wonderful. This is our year of the invitation, we're calling it. It's not only about inviting children, though. Um, I always hold up that relatively recent church statistic that is, it's only a few years old, but it identified that there are an estimated 3 million people, this was from a survey, there are an estimated 3 million people in this country who would come to church if somebody invited them. They're just too shy to come on their own or, or something like that. That means in our parish, that uh, that ratio, that means in our parish, there are at least 800 people who are literally waiting for an invitation. And then they'll come, but they haven't been invited. It's, it's, It's staggering, isn't it? So I really want to encourage you today, this week, this month, this year, to be a witness for Christ by doing two things, if I can ask you. Please pray that God would put people in your way and give you opportunities to invite people, whether they're adults, teenagers, or children. And when he does give you those opportunities, dare to take the risk and invite them. You might, of course, get a no. You even might have someone laugh at you. You might even, in the very, very unlikely event, have someone almost ridicule you. But most people will feel very affirmed by just being asked, even if... They don't accept the invitation. But if we want to continue our journey to being a thriving, growing church, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and serving the community, then that is the cost that we must be prepared to pay. Jesus calls us to nothing less. Amen.